So today we're talking about uh, spiritual maturity. This is really good. Uh, I'm excited about talking about this uh, because <laughs> Erica's like <laughs> spiritual maturity, immaturity, and maturity. We have to talk about both. You can't talk about one or the other. But I love uh, our Wednesday night time this past Wednesday. You know, we were going through the Book of John, just praying the Scripture, praying the Word. And really what we're getting during that time is the Lord speaking to everyone in the room in a different way. It's what we call the milk of the word. When we read three verses of the Bible and then you sit in God's presence and he speaks to you out of that, that's the milk of the word. That's what we're getting. We all need the milk of the word. There's no exception. I, I could not, I don't function well. If I don't get the milk of the word on a daily basis, I personally don't function well. I don't. I don't behave well. I don't talk well. You know, I'm already kind of blunt. My bluntness goes to another level, you know, and it probably become, can become harsh. And so, like, I need to stay in the Word just to keep myself in line, you know. Or y'all probably wouldn't like me very much, you know. And so I, I have to stay in the Word to just to, just to walk uprightly with the Lord. Uh, Psalm 119.9 says, How shall a young man keep his way pure? And the Bible says, By keeping it in accordance to the word. So that means the word does something to you. Like, it, you can manage yourself when you live in the word in a different way than you can manage yourself when you don't. So this is David, the guy who, who snagged Bathsheba, had your eye killed. He said, How do I keep my way clean? How do I keep my way pure? Well, Psalm 119.9 says, By keeping it according to the word. So, we were all born uh, in the natural, immature, right? We all like we're all, we were all babies at one point, you know. We were all had to learn how to grow and naturally become more mature, right? We all started off drinking either our mother's milk or formula or something like that. Like we grew, and we didn't have the teeth <coughs> to bite into a piece of steak. I mean, could you imagine handing Molly, you know, a big New York strip? You know, here, Mally, here's lunch. She would just look at it like it's too thick. You know, like a Ruth's Chris New York strip steak, like a nice steak. Here you go, Mally. This is the good stuff. Best steak in town. She's going to look at that and she's like, I don't know what to do with this. This is a chunk of meat. <laughs> she needs someone to cut it up for her or someone to maybe shred it for her. You know, have you ever seen uh, mothering uh, birds, you know, chew it up. For them and passing on. So there's a natural immaturity that we all have, that we're all growing, right? And some of us, if you go to Africa, you'll find that the 15-year-olds act like 20-something-year-olds, you know, because life has challenged them that they've had to mature very, very quickly. You'll find 15-year-olds that you trust them with your life to lead you through the jungles because they, they're thinking like they're 30. They're thinking double their age. Because life is challenging. And yet we find 20-year-olds, 25-year-olds that think like 15-year-olds here. You know? <laughs> so we have the polar opposite effect because we've not had to mature. Right. We've not been put in circumstances that require us to grow. But when we change the backdrop, your cracks start to show. A lot of people never have battles with maturity or immaturity because they never get challenged with more responsibility. Once you're given more responsibility your character flaws start to shine a little bit. You go, oh, crap, you know, because you never had to deal with it before, because it never mattered. It was never important. Until someone said, I'm going to give you more responsibility. And all of a sudden, all these things come to the surface. That's the process of maturing and dealing with immaturity. You know, if we live and choose to, to ignore the areas of our heart that we're immature at, it leaves us really open to a really bad thing called deception. If you tolerate immaturity in your life for a prolonged period of time, you open yourself up because at, one, at some point you go from being convicted about something to where it's not that big a deal anymore. And now you change your way of thinking and now you're kind of open to what everyone else's opinion is. You're not interested in the word any longer. We're just, you get open to uh, deception. It becomes toxic. In the beginning, it's cute. You know, the first time Audrey says, no. Like, oh, look at Audrey. That's so cute. She told me no. <laughs> She's laughing. How do you know? When two comes around, no. 
is a little less cute. When three comes around, no, it's really not cute. When five comes around, no becomes less cute, right? Like it's no longer cute. It's no longer cool. So I, before, so but so just so no one thinks I'm talking about them specifically, I'm gonna talk about myself first, okay? And that way, if you do think I'm talking about you, you can think of well, think about Adrian. He talked about himself. When I was when I was growing up through um, through middle school and high school, every Monday, almost every Monday, I skipped school. I didn't go. To, I didn't do Mondays. I didn't like Mondays. I didn't want to go to school on Monday, which almost got my parents in really big trouble. Because of my absentee count was so huge, you know, I could have got my parents in a lot of trouble because I wasn't going to public school every Monday. I mean, my teachers knew it, my, my friends knew it, it's Monday, you're not going to school Monday. You know, I just didn't, I just didn't go. And Joel's like, oh, gosh, the, the stories go on, Joel. <laughs> Joel knows all these stories. And, uh, but I just didn't go. Not getting up when you're a little bitty is okay, we kind of work on it. But when you become preteen, it becomes a problem. By the time you're a teenager in high school, and you can't get yourself out of bed any longer, you always wake up at 9.30 or 10 o'clock. Now you're missing school. And when I was at school, I just skipped class and played basketball. You know? And in my head, I worked it out. I had a little, it's funny, I was sold out to Jesus, but I, I didn't care about school. So I had like my little gospel, my amplified little Bible in my back pocket. But I would skip classical play school. So somehow, immaturity tolerates mixture. Immaturity tolerates compromise. And that's what I was doing. And so all through high school, I was playing basketball. Well, what happens when you graduate high school? You go to college. What do you go to college? Skip class. You didn't wake up in time for class. I didn't have time to go to class. I gotta go play basketball. Eventually, those immaturities. As more responsibility came towards me, it just sunk me in a lot of student loans. That's what it did. And so, going to school and not making good grades was a direct result of immaturity in my life. Because I went into an, an adult world with childish behavior. And because I went into an adult world with childish behavior, I started losing at life. And when you start losing at life, it means a lot of things. It means your relationships go downhill. It means your finances go downhill. It means your skills go downhill. It means your ability to thrive and succeed in culture is, is becoming smaller and smaller. The, in fact, the more responsibility that you take on and you tolerate immaturities in your life, you're really looking to screw up your life really fast. You know? And so learning to deal with these things are super important. So everyone remember, we talked about Adrian this morning, okay? So as I, as I move through this, remember Adrian talked about himself first. And so um, I, that was something that I had to do. And when, by the time I had flunked out of college three times, and Kayla and we had a baby on the way, I had to go work for a demand staff job. You know what demand staff is? It's like a day, daily work, day work. Temp service. Temp service. Temp agency. And you work for one day at a time, two days at a time, or three days at a time. You sign a deal, they pay you hourly, take your taxes up for you, they give you a check. And so I flunked out of college three times because I didn't deal with my immaturities. So me and Kayla are married, living in a house, sort of, of a house, or like a shack upstairs. An attic, an attic, yeah. It was an attic. And it'd be time to go to work. Now I'm married. I have a child, and I live in an attic with no windows. Yeah, it's true, it's true. No windows, it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. And it was time to go to work. And Kayla says, Adrian, go to work. It's time to go to work. It's Monday. What do I say? It's Monday. No. Mommy. Mommy. That's not cute. Immaturity, when you get older, is not cute. Adrian, go to work. I remember one time, me picking up my phone and lunging it at Kayla. Because she said, go to work. And that was my response. Wait, me alone. How you know, immaturity will eventually destroy your life. Destroy your marriage. 
and it's your kid, it's your wife, you're bummed. <laughs> Immaturity, the further along we go in life, if not dealt with, becomes toxic. It, it destroys our life if we don't deal with it. You know, I would say as a group, what we've done here is we, you know, we go, we go out and I think together we, we, make, we make converts, some, some one-on-ones as a group. Like we, we go out and we convert people. And here we're all growing together as disciples of Jesus. We're all seeking to look at the word and let it change our life. But there comes another tier that I, I do think we need to grow in together. And it's not just being a convert, not just being a follower, not just being a disciple. But it means becoming a leader. A leader is someone who begins to recognize their own immaturities. And they learn how to deal with them, how to overcome them how to confront themselves. Don't wait for someone else to confront you. you. You deal with your own heart. And go to your brother, go to your sister as, as needed. But this is leadership. This is like where we need to grow. This is the ability for whatever we do here, whatever we do out there, for it to multiply and accelerate. We have to grow. We have to become leaders. We all have to become active participants. We all have to become verbalizing our faith and able to talk about our faith. We all need individual people around us. Maybe they aren't even here, but you've got this little crew, one or two or three, that, that you have a voice in their life. That's leadership. We, we all need someone to help us move from point A to point B. I, I need people to help me, too, to get me from, I know this much, but I need someone to get me here. And they help you get get there. That's what we're doing together. That's, that's the nature of, of this relationship, is to help others get from point A to point B, from getting this place with the Lord to this place with the Lord. Because all of us are in the same position. We're all moving from glory to glory. We're all being transformed from faith to faith. And we need each other to do that. But it comes through a process uh, of spiritual maturity. Um, just like uh, on Wednesday night, what we're doing is talking about the, the milk of the word when we're going through John 15 reading. That can benefit everyone. But do you know that there are other believers that can do that on their own just fine? And when they come to Wednesday night Bible study, that's not what they're looking for. And if, that's what, if, that, if all we gave them on a Wednesday night was the milk of the word, there's nothing wrong with them, but they would seek another place because they're looking for meat. Because they got teeth. Because what we're doing on a Wednesday night, they're doing on a daily basis by themselves. And when a Wednesday night comes, and they say, I want something more. I want something. Have you ever heard someone say, I, I went to that church, but I just don't get? Yeah. You ever heard that? Now, granted, it shouldn't church isn't about us, but there is a meat to the word of God that we're supposed to be able to bite into. And it causes us like protein to build muscle. And it makes us strong. And if you're talking to someone who is currently lifting big things. And they're currently moving big mountains in the spirit. And they're actively doing things. They require lots of meat. It's necessary to do that. And so I want us to, be, to get to a place where we're all. We take that milk time. That is life for us. That is life with Jesus. We, we take the milk. We take the milk. So when it comes time to take a bite out of something, you can put strength on your arms and you become a powerhouse in the spirit. You become a powerhouse that can cause things to move, that you can pray or people call you in the middle of the night and they, they don't call anyone, but they call you specifically because they know that when you prayed, something happened. Right? But we all have faith in, in Jesus. We all have faith in the power of the name of God. But you can't, you can't beat results. Like when people get fruits. I know, I, I know that person prayed for me. I know that person prayed for me. You. You. I want you to pray for me. Like, you know, have, have anyone ever seen that? Like, or the woman with the issue of blood. She didn't reach out and grab the disciples. She said, that guy. I got to get to that, that guy. If I can get to that rope, I'm going to get it. There's such a thing as, as muscles in the spirit of maturing. You know, in basketball, or football is a better example. In football, you see a little 18-year-old kid running around. He's got some muscle on him. 
Okay. In college, they get a little bit more muscle in them. But somewhere about 23, 24, their body starts to change. Especially some of these linemen. The big guys, linebackers. Those young men start getting this like man belly starts coming. And so it's, a, it's, a, it's their body is changing. And once in a while you see one of these little squirrely college players go to the NFL with these like grown men who have built their bodies as a machine for a living. And one of these little guys tries to hit them and they just, you know, knock them off. They were the best in that league. They were the top of that notch. But when they went to stand with other men, they got flung around. And when, when, they, go, when they get drafted, we call that a bust. Meaning, we thought you were going to be something special. But when you change leagues, you weren't ready to throw with the big boys yet. And I believe God's calling us to change leagues. I think we do very, very well. There's a certain league of church that we're in right now. But I believe God's called us to go up to another level. But to do that, we all have to grow. We've got to put on muscle in the spirit. And it comes by doing what we did Wednesday night on a regular basis. That becomes part of your life. It's not, it's not an obligation. It becomes your real life source. It becomes your real value. It is your life. It is, it is your goal. Like if, without that, I would just be nothing. I just could not function. I am so dependent on what we did once in night. I'm completely, I'm useless in the kingdom if I don't do what we did once in night. What I'm saying is that is normal Christianity. Normal life. But God's called us to take up even more. Um, let me move on. First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. It says, love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away with. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. So Paul, he's talking about the gifts. And he's saying that these things have got limits. He says this, this is only partial Christianity. Verse 11, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know just as, know fully, just as I have also fully, uh, been fully known. But now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. So what he's saying is there's coming a day in the body of Christ where we are no longer going to know Christ and know ourselves in part. But there's coming a day of unity. There's coming a union. There is coming a oneness in Christ as the body that we will all be fully known. And so Paul is saying that there's a day of maturity coming. So our destiny is to mature. Our destiny is to grow. That is the, that is the direction that the Lord is moving. Paul tells us about two stages in life. He says adulthood and childhood. Notice that Paul said that when I became a man, I put away childish things. It didn't say that he no longer had childish ways. It says that I put them away. Part of maturing <coughs> is having the self-awareness that I have something to put away. And we all do. All of us do. We have something to put away. That is how we keep growing. You know, none of us have arrived into a perfect perfect mature man that is, that is Christ. We, we're all in process. But part of maturity is saying, ooh, I need to work on that. I need to deal with that. You know, there's no, there's no middle ground. There's no such thing as stagnant, being stagnant in maturity or immaturity. You're either going forward or you're going backwards. There is no middle ground. Middle ground is dangerous ground. That's what Jesus spewed out of his mouth. We, we, don't, we, don't, want, we don't want that. That's, it's a dangerous ground for you. You don't want that. He says, better be hot or cold. And so a part of maturity is having the self-awareness to recognize when you're operating childish. There are three things that make up immaturity, both in the natural and the spiritual. Uh, Paul said it. It was how he spoke, how he thought, and how he understood. 
You know, what does maturing, maturing look like? I think first it is learning the power of your own words. And this is a big thing for me right here personally. Because I, I didn't know early on in my walk with the Lord that people listened to what I said. I thought I, could, I would just ramble off random stuff. And I, didn't, I was careless with my words. And now I still have to be careful. That's a weakness of mine. But I would ramble off stuff. I would, in college, uh, in our Bible study, people would tell me all the time, uh, Adrian, you gave me a word about this. I said, I didn't, I didn't give you a word, like, like a word from the Lord. Like, yeah, yeah, you gave me a word. I didn't give you a word from the Lord. I, I did not do that. Yes, you spoke to me and you said that, blah, 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 about my life. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I never did that. Someone else did it. Adrian, you said this about my life. You, you said this is, this is what the Lord saying. So I did not say that, and then I don't use those words. Like, that's not me. One of my pastors came to me and said, Adrian, we heard that you were giving people, you know, you're dishing out words. You know? Can, can you tell us about that? Yeah. And uh, I was like, I didn't give anybody words. What are you talking about? Everybody keeps saying, I'll give them a word from the Lord. I did not give nobody a word from the Lord. And I could, I'm like, what is going on? People would ask me advice, and I would tell them what I think. Well, I told them what I think, but they said, this is a word from the Lord. And I didn't know the value that those people were putting on what I said. And that was immaturity in my life. I, I didn't know, you know, because I'm just rambling. I'm just shooting from the air. I'm like, oh, this is what I think. You know, I pray. I talk to Jesus. This is what I think. You know, you should quit that. You should do this. You, just, you asked me. I just told you what I thought. And without putting real thought or prayer into it, and I was just shooting. And people were going this way, that way. <laughs> what is going on? What's wrong with you all? You know? Well, you said. I didn't know I said. But that's maturing. You don't, your words are powerful. And there are people in your life that you have influence with that you may not know you have influence with. And they listen to what you say. And when you, say, when you say encouraging things, it builds up more than you think. And when you say sharp things, it cuts down more than you think. That's a lesson that I'm, I'm daily learning. That when you say this, it builds up a lot. But when you say this, it, it cuts pretty good. It's maturing. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I mean, I didn't think about it. I said whatever I wanted. But when I became a man, I put away childish, childish things, meaning I change the way that I speak because my words matter. Next one. Uh, I thought like a child. Look at this. Actually, before that, I'm sorry. Let me read this first. James 3, 2. It says, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to rule the whole body as well. So that really matters if we can handle our tongue. If you can handle your tongue, you can handle your your vessel. Okay, so number two, the second way of how we how we're dealing with immaturity and overcoming is learning how to think. It says when I was a child, I spoke like a child and I thought like a child. So Romans 8 6, for the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. We have to learn, the, we have to renew our mind to the word. We have to get God's values on, on what we think. We have to get God's values on the way we, um, way we do life. You know, we have a very small circle that, that handles our church money here. It's me, Kayla, and Ann. That's it. You know why? Because I know, I know how Ann thinks about it. And I trust how she thinks about it. And I, know, I know we're holding the same value. And, and I can trust Anne that if I think in my mind, I, need, I see this man of God over here and I need to sow heavily into his life right now, that I'm not going to have a problem with Anne. I'm going to bless this guy and we're both going to count it as seed and we're gonna, we know the power of harvest that that is coming right back to us. So why, why would we have a small circle? Because in, in simple words, not everyone is, is fit to do that. Because not everyone is, has matured to do that. Some are still are struggling with poverty. Some are still struggling with lack. When you give it all, their mind says, 
That's all we have. When I give it all, I think, in measure that I give, it'll be given back to me, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Amen. Our, our, our friend wanted to be a part of some major decisions. And I wouldn't let him. Because he wasn't fit to do it. His, his values were not on the kingdom yet. His mind was still renewed. He was still a leader. He had gifts. He had graces. But his mind wasn't renewed. And so it, he was, his, his immaturity was in conflict with the things of the kingdom. That's, that's a tough conversation to have, isn't it? Those are tough, man. You know, if you, you desire to do ministry, or desire to be a small group leader, or you want to do live groups and stuff, these are tough conversations to have with people who say, you know what, I, I just don't, I don't think this is something you need to have a say in right now. That's hard to say. To another grown adult, someone your age or older, those are hard things to say. And they're challenging. Because not everyone can handle the truth, unfortunately. It's maturity. Can someone tell you that you need to grow in this area? This is, this, is, this is life in the kingdom. This is sharpening one another. The Bible says that we are growing into one man. We are growing into unity. There will come a day, like I, I love my brother, and there will be a day that we're, there is such a deep union in Christ that will be seamless. And we'll all see things the same way. It's powerful. Learning to think. This is when I was a child, I thought like a child. And we have to grow and mature. You know, when we do value talks like that, identity in Christ, you know, we, we don't teach on, you know, tithe every, every week like some churches do because we, we talk about it so much. Like we, it's in our conversation. It's in our, it's in our messages every week. Like it's, it's just there. Like it's, it's part of life. Because we're trying to teach a way of living. Not just like, you need to do this, you need to do this. Like, no, no, no. See the, look at the fruit. Look at the life. Look at, look at the results. That will speak to you in a way that I can't. That will speak to your life in a way. When you hear someone's testimony that I got raised after raised, and I didn't even know I was getting raised. That speaks life. That's the truth. You know what? What's happening is someone's learning how to think. Their thinking's tweaking. Tick, 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 tick. It's in their DNA. It's, it's getting in them. And that's the life of God. That's maturity. What about laying hands on the sick, you know? Why, why would we do that? It's when you start seeing the kingdom of God flowing through your life, little by little, tick, 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 those little point A to point B, you're, you're becoming more and more. You're changing into the likeness of Christ. You're, Paul says, it, it's, I long and I labor for your formation in Christ. Our mind renewal, Romans 12, 2. Not, not everyone's ready to receive, receive blessing. There's a way of thinking about, about the kingdom that will position you to where you are a landing strip for favor. You're a landing strip for the things of the kingdom of God. You know, ditching secular worldviews, adopting biblical worldviews. Secular worldviews are poverty, victim mentality. Victim's huge, huge. This, this just happened to me. This just happened to me. Why did it, why me, why me? Why not me, even better? Why are they favored and I'm, I'm not? T.D. Jakes gave me a favorite quote about favor. He said, favor ain't fair. Ain't fair. It's the truth. I need to find that little clip and share it. Favor is not fair. That's why it's favor. Because not everyone gets it. It's just the truth. And so there is a way of aligning your life with God that favor hits you. And if you don't align your life with God, favor does not hit you. It's not everyone gets a trophy with favor. <laughs> it's just true. Favor's not fair. Not everyone skips through the line. Me and Caleb, we don't do lines. Nope. Time's money and I don't waste time standing. I don't, I don't like to pay for, 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 for time unnecessarily. I don't like to pay for space. You know, if you're going to get a truck, you fill it up. Yep. You get a storage unit, and you're going to fill up that storage unit. We don't pay for air. Right? Josh won't pay for ice. He goes through a, through a, a fast food restaurant. Give me a, a, a large, you know, Dr. Pepper, no ice. Thank you. 
That's right. It's already called. Because it's already called. It's already called. And we're not paying for space. You're paying for space. You've got a cold drink and you're just keeping it cold. So they think, so those are values. Those are stewardship values. No, I, I do pay for ice. I, I, I personally, I'll, I'll pay for light ice. I get light ice. I, I like the texture of ice. I like to chew on it. But if you don't chew ice, I don't know why you're buying for ice. Ice on the side. Yes, that's smart. But those are values. You know what happens? So people sow into Josh's life like nobody's business. Because the values, the deep core values that we think, Josh, you're ridiculous. You don't buy ice. That's why people, that's why we gave him a tent. <coughs> that big tent, mm-hmm. that's why we gave him that tent. Because I know he doesn't pay for space. And that tent fits like a glove in that space. Like it is, it's ridiculous. Values. Uh, prayerlessness is a horrible value to have. But unfortunately, like we can hold that. And, and I'm guilty of this. I've done, I've had prayerless days. I've had prayerless nights. I've had, I've had, I've gone through spurts for, where I, I just, I'm not, I'm not before the Lord. And it starts to show. And the further, the more responsibility you get, the less you can have these things. So this is part of leadership and growing. Comparison. You won't receive from anyone that you're comparing yourself to. It'll never happen. The biggest problem I've had in, in helping people and developing people is they, they saw me in the wrong light. We didn't have the right, our relationship was not well. They were here to help me. And because they were here to help me, they could never receive from me. We just want to go help. We want to help you get to this place. And it, it, it almost puts like this kind of shift of power in. And you never can speak life into them. It just, it hits and, oh, that's for these guys around me. It's not for me. Comparison will keep you from what you need from God. It'll keep you from the life of the word. It'll keep you from the milk. If there's milk flowing, it'll keep the milk from, from getting to you. If there's meat flowing, it'll keep you from, from the meat. Sometimes we'll talk out of the word like today. Today's we're talking about the word. Other days we'll be talking about, you know, last week uh, we talked about, um, you know, the joy of resurrection. It's not spoken out of the word. It's spoken out of revelation. So there's a different heart. There's a different anointing to that. Meat, you need meat and milk. Like we, we all need these things. We got to learn how to receive it and take what's, take what's served. Uh, maturing in our understanding, 1 Corinthians 14, 20 says, Brethren, do not be children in your thinking, uh, yet, be, uh, yet in evil be infants. But in your thinking, be mature. Now look at the Passion Translation. I think it says it better. Beloved ones, don't remain as immature children in your reasoning. As it relates to, as, as it relates to evil, be like newborns. But in your thinking, be mature adults. Transitioning. You know, uh, immaturity uh, is a lot like the Trojan horse. Y'all know the, tro- the story of Trojan horse of Sparta and Troy? So, recap. Trojan horse, you have the, the Spartans or Greeks were trying to invade Troy, and they couldn't. Troy was fortified. They couldn't get through the walls. They couldn't get through there. And so the Spartans, the Greeks, decided they would build a large Trojan horse. And because uh, the Trojan was a symbol of Troy. And they built the big horse. It was a giant thing. And it was going to be like, hey, guys, this is our peace offering. Let's call this a treaty because we're still made it here. We're not getting through. You're not giving up. We're, we're good. And so they build the giant Trojan horse. And the story goes, they bring the horse to, to Troy. And Troy says, look, the Spartans are surrendering. We've got the victory. They even have a guy out, the Spartans, say, hey, we surrender, and he scurries away. And so Troy says, look, we've won the battle. And they take the giant horse, and they bring it into the city. And what they don't know is that inside the giant Trojan horse are Spartan spies inside the horse. And the Trojans drink and be merry into the night, and they drink themselves silly until they're all passed out. And then guess who comes out of the horse? The Spartans. 
And they overtook the city, not from without, but they overtook it from within. Immaturity is a Trojan horse. Because there is a, how many know together, like if there was like, you know, if this drug dealer across the street had a problem with all of us, like there's, there's a, un, a unity that comes that we would say, hey, not here, we're not going to do that, right? 9-11 happened, and we, uh, we uh, the, the nation united when planes hit our towers, right? There was a united we stand, divided we, because we were attacked from without. A unity came over our nation. It was powerful. But the enemy couldn't defeat us that way. Mm-hmm. Took a good shot. But he didn't defeat us. He scared a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Inspired a lot of soldiers to go to join the army as well. Mm-hmm. But now, what the enemy is seeking to do is not from without, but to get in from within. within. Yeah. That's the way it works. It is an internal overthrow that is trying to happen in our nation. And it's not coming like you might think it will be. It's going through our media outlets. It's coming through our political policies that are passing. There's an overthrow that's actively happening. But that's immaturity in the church. The enemy, he's not going to get us from without. That's not the way it works. Even among the, the, the worst scenario among us, it still wouldn't come without because there's a family here and a family will unite against opposition. And it doesn't matter what the problem was. You take care of it and you deal with what's without. But the enemy tries to come in from within. Get someone here divided in their heart. Get one or two people divided in their heart. Let them link up. Get two or three people divided in their heart. Let them link up. And the enemy starts an overthrow process through immaturity. Through what? The prayerlessness, through comparison, through victim, through poverty, through a lack of identity, a, a slave mentality. Never renewing your mind towards the word. This is the way the enemy divides. This is how he, he overthrows the church. This is how he overthrows any government, actually, is he gets from within. And so we have to learn to address these things as individuals and then together. That If you feel like there's a problem... You have to speak up, to talk. So let's walk it out together. Let's talk in love. Maturity is knowing that when I've done something wrong, that I, I know to set my childish place aside, that I deal with it. It's the way he, he confronts relationship. If, if Eric and I have a tight relationship, the way to bring separation is not from someone else. It's from within one of us. And if he can get something sown in the heart of one of us, this, this relationship. We may still see each other, but we're going to be distant. And we're going to become more distant. Until finally, it will be very easy to talk. Backbite. Jealousy. Selfish ambition and every evil thing. That's how it starts. It's through immaturity. And so, growing in these things. Um, prolonged immaturity leaves us open to to deception, which is really our greatest enemy for the church. Uh, it's, not, it's not COVID. It's not political policies. It's not anything else. It's, it's deception. Deception within the church is the most dangerous thing for us. It's what we have to stand against. It's why we have to love truth. Bless you. Four things can happen to anyone who doesn't transition from immaturity to maturity. One was, like we said, deception. Become easily deceived. Division. When you're immature, you don't play well with others. One of the things I, I, I do, and you, I'm sure you already noticed this, that I do to help people grow is I say, let's make a team. Let's make them a golfing team. And let them be together. <laughs> and see how they do. Do you fight? rip each other apart? Can you function? Who's in charge? How is this going to work? You already moved off today, right? Yeah. How's this going to work? What's going to happen? What's going to happen when this person commits and that person commits? Or what's happening when this person commits and that one fails to follow through? Like, what? 
like these are things. This is a, a, a holy mix-up. It's a God's way of doing things. Just let's get together and learn how to function. You know what happens is we're all happy until we join a team, and then your cracks start to show. Right? And that's how life happens. That's where we, our relationship gets to go deep. It's how we get to really love one another. Because the, the more things we do together, the more we see each other's faults. The closer you get to me and the closer you uh, walk in relationship, the more you'll see Adrian's not. Adrian has cracks he's working out. Kayla has cracks she's working out. Our family has cracks she's working out. And we will have to learn to be merciful to one another and have to walk in grace to one another so that we can love each other well. And it's, the, it's what Bob got during worship. Like, have we learned to love? Can I see the cracks in your life and fully embrace you? Can I see the cracks in your life, fully embrace you, and say, hey, let's work on that? Right? That's life together. Say, so, hey, this is, you know, this is what I feel when I'm around you. This is how I'm experiencing. This is how, what, what the language we use is, this is how I'm experiencing you. And just be a mirror. You know, that's the power of covenant relationship is to be able to say, you know, yeah, Angie, this is how I'm experiencing you right now. What we, when there's covenant relationship, the relationship isn't on the line. That's what the enemy does. The enemy works outside of covenant. We can never have a confrontation outside of covenant because confrontation means the relationship's over. But in covenant, confrontation means we want, we want to heal we want to go further. We want to come like this. When there's a confrontation, if it's the end of the relationship, it only proves that there's, there was never any covenant. There's all informality. No covenant is, is there. I want to love you. I want to be loved by you. Like we all have this need inside of us for intimacy. You know that song we were singing a couple weeks ago, I was made for intimacy. It's true. You're supposed to be intimate with God, but you're supposed to be intimate with people. Everyone, in, everyone here, we all have a desire to be deeply, deeply known. I, do, I have people in my life that I, man, I am ridiculously transparent with. Because I need to be known. I need to be covered. People I'm walking covenant with, people that I don't care for me and, and value my heart. That I, I have, there's no, no borders there's no, no place they can't go, no question they can't ask, Caleb, you know, Caleb, you know, and, and others. And we say, because there's a need to be known. Four things can happen. Anyone who doesn't transition from immaturity to maturity, deception, division. Uh, next one was defeat. You can have passion and still be immature. You can be passionate about things of God, but still lose. You know? It's one of the lies that preachers have told this generation is that there's no losing. We all win. That's not the truth. If you don't deal with those things, we don't all win. Some lose. Some walk away. Some are defeated. You know, maybe this is, this is kind of a sobering thought. Some people don't, don't go to heaven. They may walk they may show up at church, but not people, not, it's not the way it works. We don't, we don't preach universalism. The grace message at large, a lot of grace teachers have gotten into full-blown universalism. Where the blood of Jesus, Jesus died for all mankind, and so all mankind can come to Jesus. Yeah, if they profess him and, and leave, leave to drop their nets and fall, and yes, they all can. But that's not the entire, that's not the entire message that's taught. It's like, we're all okay. And it's, it's dangerous. It's, it tells people that there are no consequences. And it produces a, a wickedness. It produces a wickedness in the church. It produces a wickedness in our children. Because they have no value. They have no... You know, when's the last time you've heard a, a real a message about consecration? To be set apart for the Lord. That I'm holy. And my, my body is holy. And my, my eyes are holy. And my hands are holy. Because I am His. I was bought with a prize. I was purchased by the blood of Jesus so my hands are holy. They're so valuable. My eyes are holy because they were purchased by Jesus. My body is holy because am I not the temple of the Holy Spirit? And so dealing with immaturities and getting to maturity requires us to take an honest look at ourselves. 
we all need we all need help. We all need to walk together. You know, the biggest opposition to this is really just independence. You know, I'm good. I can I can deal with me. We're good. And um, you know, heaven just won't endorse it. You know, if you if you choose to walk in independence, you just won't experience the favor of the Lord. It's just true. The it won't it won't it won't you won't feel the kiss of heaven. You know what I mean by the kiss of heaven? Like when God just says, Amen. And God shows up for you in strange ways. That won't happen under independence. An independent spirit is, is polar opposite of where we're going. The, the, where we're going is we are one in Christ. Where we're going is that we are one as Jesus and the Father is one. So if, when we go independent, we're going in direct opposition. Like it's anti-Christ in nature. Okay. Um, Hebrews 4, 6 says men perish for, for a lack of knowledge. Every one of us have blind spots. I have blind spots that I need help with. Some of those spots Caleb will help me with. But I believe there's some of those spots that you'll help me with. And I need you. I need you to help me with them. No, I need you to be respectful, just like I want to be respectful, respectful to you. But we all have blind spots, and we need each other. So, Adrian, I don't think you see this. This is what's, you know, don't gossip, but like, this is what I, you know, like we need each other. Because if we want to grow, that's what it takes. And it takes just, just relationship. Immaturity takes offense on the topic of immaturity. <laughs> you know, isn't that silly? Now's not a good time to, to be offended. You know, on the topic of immaturity. Or most people get offended during the offense series, actually. You know, it's not a good time. Ephesians 5.13, this is the Passion Translations. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness into the faith. So the destination, our destination is oneness. Until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. And finally we become one into a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity. And fully developed into the abundance of Christ. Listen to verse 14. And then our immaturity will end. And we will not be easily shaken by trouble. Maturity means you don't get to be, you're not easily shaken. Think about the last thing that shook you. Was it the... Vaccine mandate? Did that shake you? I know people that it shook them to their core because they were so anchored and their job was their provision that it shook them, knocked them out of commission. Did that shake you? No, it shook me. It's when, uh, when, when, when President Trump announced a global pandemic, a global emergency because of the pandemic officially started like last March-ish. And there was all the sports were going on. And then there came a moment when they said, this is a national emergency, and everything got canceled. Do you remember that? Like, it was kind of eerie, right? It was weird. We, were all, like, we all knew something wild had just happened. You know, I remember seeing people just like, just what it did to them, because they went... Sports was their world. That was their life. That was their nothing box. That was their entertainment. That's where their family got together. That's where we hung out. That's what we did. We gather around the sports. We gather around this team, and we're this kind of fan, and we. This is who we are. You know, I'm sure y'all are. No, yeah, yo, <laughs> yeah. It's, it was kind of sad, right? <laughs> you know, everyone's idols fell at the same time. You know, but, but everyone freaked out. So what was that? That, that shook a lot of people. Kobe Bryant dying last year. That kind of shook me. Like, I'm a basketball guy. I'm like, whoa. It, that shook the sports world. Freak accident on the greatest of all time. Freak accident. Just crazy stuff. 2020 was like a year from hell. Like, it was one after another after another. I'm like, oh my gosh. Could this get, what else is going to happen in 2020? We're like, will this year be over already? Because people were getting shook again. But maturity is is your foundation is in Christ. And so you don't shake anymore. If you're anchored in the word, and your word, the word is your life, the word is, is the kingdom that you live your values out of. When things shake and things will continue to shake, they, you won't be shaken anymore. It says, and we will not be easily shaken by trouble, nor led astray by novel teachings and false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. You know, uh, YouTube prophets, you know, just, 
You can, get, get, you can get shook by YouTube prophets, you know, if you go to YouTube every time you have a problem. How much different is that from, like, going to consult a medium? You know, like, I'm going to go and see what you think. But why, why not go to the Lord? Why not go to the Bible? Like, we're really opening up ourselves something. If every time we need something, we go to YouTube, the prophet YouTube, or prophet Google, see what prophet Google has to say. I felt convicted about this because I would have dreams, and I would think, oh, I wonder what the symbolism of a, you know, a butterfly is. I had a dream about a And I just kind of started doing But, you know, that's probably not a good thing to be doing. You know, like, I should, the dreams belong to the Lord, so I need to go to the Lord to talk, to talk about this. Are there good teachers out there that have insight? Of course, but he's my, he's my first one, but I'm guilty of that. I would, like, YouTube or a reference guide, <laughs> what's this? And I would just look it up in, a, like, a dictionary. Like, I didn't know what a word meant. I would look up, you know, what does a butterfly mean? I dreamed about butterflies. This is what will allow us to be shaken, learning to get ourselves anchored in, in the Word. Um, verse 15, but instead we will remain strong and always sincere in the faith, and always sincere in love uh, in our lives as we express the truth. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into Him, the anointed head of His body, the church. Let me finish up real quick. Hebrews 5, verse 11. Just concerning him, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. So what's the call here? He is calling people to growth. He is calling people to fruitfulness. Fruitfulness in the Bible, it does look like the attributes of Galatians 5.22, of the fruits of the Spirit. But fruitfulness means that you multiply as a person. That there's someone in your life that you disciple. That is the evidence of God working in your life is that you are pouring into someone else. And if you're not pouring into someone else yet, you're, you're, you're barren. That's called barrenness. It's not something to be ashamed of, but it is something to be aware of that we think, hey, I need to make this shift somewhere so that I become fruitful. You know, well, uh, man, I don't have time to tell a story. But some of you heard the testimony about uh, that friend of mine that lived here in El Paso. They kept trying to get, to get pregnant. They couldn't get pregnant. The wife had never had a, a normal menstrual cycle since she was like 15. And she was in her 30s. Couldn't have kids. Couldn't have kids. Couldn't have kids. The husband started praying. He started meeting with, with, with me. And we would meet at Dunkin' Donuts. We would pray together. And he started praying together. He never believed in, in, uh, in praying like that to contend for something. He started to contend. He felt led to start sewing. He started sewing. And when he did, his wife's cycle started. And for the first time, like in, I don't know, like 15 years, 15, no, 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 it's like 18 years, she had a normal cycle, and boom, she got pregnant, and they have a child now. There was something he needed to do, they needed to do, to become fruitful. Making the adjustments is maturity. And he was humble. I can't tell you, he was, a, he was another missionary just like I was. I didn't, I don't, I mean... He was older than me. His wife was older than me. Uh, they were, uh, they went, his wife went to the same college Kayla and I were, were at. I mean, it took a lot of humility for them. Like, she was like, at Howard Payne was, you have a, the men's dorms and the girls' dorms. And she was like the dorm mom when Adrian was like sneaking into the girls' dorm. <laughs> okay. And so she's like the one who caught me in the stairwell sneaking in with this lady who was barren. So later in life, five, six years later in life, the guy that she's like, what are you doing in the girl's door? Her husband's saying, I'm going to sew into your life because I believe God's doing something. Mm-hmm. And she got pregnant. That takes the amount of humility on her part. It's one thing you know, to be humble to someone that, that you know. But then to be humble to someone that has failed. Th- that, was, that was a big person, is what I'm saying. Like, that was, a very, that was very big of it. Like, by going low in the kingdom, it's, it's becoming huge. She became fruitful, and life started churning. And I'm going to encourage you that this is what we're called to do. That it, Paul, Paul says, oh, of course, we don't know. Hebrews, it says... Uh, 
It says, for the, by this time you ought to be teachers, meaning you should have someone to teach by now. And he was getting on to them. He's like, you don't have anyone to teach yet. There should be someone that you are pouring into now. And Paul's saying, you ought to be a teacher by now. Not like standing in front of people. I mean, like, you should be discipling. And you're not discipling. He was getting on to them. And I'll tell you, it's time to become fruitful. It's time for, for each of us to have someone that we're mentoring. Someone that we're pouring into. And if you're not yet, make, look, ask God what the adjustment is. Give, give with me, give with Kayla, give with Matthew, give with Shalia. Like, like pray, say, God, what do we, what do we got to do to get fruitful? God, I want to be fruitful. God, I, I want to be, I don't know what fruitful looks like for me, but God, I want to be fruitful. I want this, God. I want, I'm telling you, when you get fruitful, it's like having kids in your, in your, in your household. Like, it changes your life when you start bearing fruit. It will change your walk with God because then you'll start to see the measure of virtue that's really flowing. And when you see real virtue happening and people really, really sincerely change, people really grow, it just your, your own walk with God comes alive. It's a beautiful thing. It is maturity. It is coming, it's come, think of it of coming of age. Right? Like there's a time in, as, as you know, teenagers where their bodies change and their God has created them in a way to enter into a season where it's like, it's time to be fruitful. Right? All right, guys. Time to be fruitful. You know? That's what happens. It happens spiritually, too. It's like, okay. It's time to be fruitful. Be fruitful. But it's you and God having this connection. It's so supernatural. And when that's happening, God will bring disciples into your life. Sometimes he, he may lead you to go witness. So Matthew's going to teach us how to do the Oikos map sometime soon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but ask the Lord for this. And then you're going to step into maturity in a new way. We're not, God doesn't want us to be dull of hear, hearing. He doesn't want us to, to be unskillful in the word. You know, verse, uh, let me read this. Verse 12. For by this time you have to be teachers. You have need again for someone to teach you the elementary t- principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. Verse 13, for everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses, their senses trained to discern good and evil. It brings you into discernment. This is the, this is, this is the sign of maturity, is that we have discernment. I think this is the biggest sign of the church at large in America is our lack of, a, of discernment is a reflection of our lack of maturity. That's why you have preachers mandating their church to take vaccines. Preachers. That is a lack of discernment, which is a fruit of a lack of maturity. Seeker friendliness. That, that's... Something's wrong when we're saying the same thing the world's saying. It's not supposed to be that way. That's not the way it's supposed to work. It says dull of hearing. That people, when, when immaturity means dull of hearing, so not taught how to hear the heart of what it said. I mean, you get hung up on the word vaccine. Hung up on color. Hung up on race. Hung up on gender. Hung up on personality. Don't like the personality of the person. And it huh, got you hung. That makes you dull of hearing. Those are things that keep you from hearing the truth. Unskillful in the word of God means you don't know how to apply it. And lastly, unskillful means you don't know how to get bread. Bread is when it is the preceding word of God. Jesus told Satan, and he said, now turn the stone into bread. Jesus says, uh, I don't do that. I'll, I live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I mean, his bread was the preceding. It was the rhema, the living word. Like, when's the last time you got alone with Jesus and you got a piece of bread from him? I mean, bread that sustains you and changes your life. It, it's, it's powerful. And, uh, Angie gave me bread the other night at the at Bible study. When she said, when you, the more, when you obey the commands of Jesus, it makes you more loving. Like, that was, that was bread to my soul. When's the last time you got bread? How often do you get bread? You can't just have bread once in a while. You got, it's got to be bread. Bread. 
and it becomes life to you. And it puts meat on your bones and it gives you strength and endurance. Uh, I just feel like I'll, I want to call us into, it, into this. I, you know, I'm, I, I am challenging. I'm challenging us this morning. Like, let's go after this. Let's, let's mature. Let's become fruitful. Let's, there's somebody that they need what you have. What you have in God is rare. What you have in God is beautiful. And there's someone that will only hear it from you. They will not hear from someone else, but they will only hear it from you. They're not coming. God didn't design it for them to hear it from me or Kayla or, or Matthew. Like it, God put them in your life so they could hear from you. Amen. And he needs to hear from you. The word of God, bread coming. Someone needs to hear that. Obey Jesus' commands and love will happen in your life. Like the real love will happen when you say that to someone and they say, you know what, I think I'm going to try this. I think I'm going to try to love my neighbor. I think I'm going to try to care for the poor. I think I'm going to try to... And you'll see real fruitfulness. This is, this is maturity. We're going to talk about this for a while. Um, we're going to hit it from a few different angles. And so I want you to know that as, I'm, as we're talking about it, you know, I'm not... My, I promise I'm not trying... I never try to go into a group and insult the room. But I do want to challenge the room and say, hey, let's get here. Because our responsibility is going to increase. And if we don't fix our immaturities, we'll always, we'll, we'll never fulfill our, our call. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, I pray, God, that this word would go down into our spirit. God, I pray that it would land on good soil today, and that it would cause fruitfulness to abound. God, I thank you, Lord, that you've called us to be a mature body that makes disciples, that makes leaders, Father God, that we are, we are not just a, a, a small-minded group of people, God, but we are a great-minded God. We're thinking about the great things that you've called us to. That as last week, you're eliminating just the city of Albuquerque and all the towns of New Mexico, Father God. You are calling us to greatness, Father. So there is a necessity for us to step into maturity, Father. That as you entrust to us more responsibility, we don't, we don't crumble under that, Father. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray that you would speak to each one of us and show us how, how to apply this message, Father. How to make it real, how to... How to make this relevant in our lives in Jesus' name. We love you. Amen.